All right, let me get this microphone turned on. Testing one, two, is this thing working? Testing one, two, can you hear me? All right, Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter number 13 in your Bibles, if you would, please. Acts chapter number 13 is where we're going to be at this evening. And uh, last Wednesday, uh, we were, of course, there in Acts chapter number 12, and we were going through how uh, Peter... Uh, had beckoned with his hand and told the folks that, listen, though he's out of prison, we preach on God still answers prayer. And uh, God is a God that still answers prayer. And uh, we need to never quit praying, uh, even though we may think there's no hope. Uh, we may think that, oh, that's impossible. God does the impossible. And uh, we just need to continue to pray. And we talked about that last week, about being uh, prayer warriors and things like that. And remember uh, when Peter came back from prison after they were praying, they had trouble believing uh, that it was real. Even Peter had trouble believing at first. He thought it was just a vision uh, that he had. And then he realized he was free. And he went back uh, to the house where he knew they would be gathered together. And Rhoda comes to the door and uh, hears Peter's voice and doesn't even open the door, just runs back in and says that God answered their prayer. And they all thought she was crazy and said she was mad. And uh, she uh, again tells him, no, Peter's outside, and they come, and they begin to uh, start talking to Peter, and he stops them, and he has to give praise to the Lord. And you know what? That's very important for us to remember is that, listen, we need to always take time to give honor to God. We ought to understand that it's all about God. It's not about us. And we're going to talk about that a lot. You've heard that a lot from this pulpit because we live in a day and age where it's all about us. Everything we do in life is all about us. And uh, we have that I mentality, that uh, me, myself, and I, those are the three people we care about, you know, and uh, that's kind of where uh, our society is. It's all about what's in it for them, and uh, you try to get people to do things. Well, what's in that for me, and what's going to happen with me? And listen, God wants us to present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, it says, which is our reasonable service. You know, it's not unreasonable for God to expect us to sacrifice. And uh, we need to make some sacrifices for the Lord. You know, sometimes we need to sacrifice some sleep and pray. We need to sacrifice maybe some food sometimes and pray. Uh, make some sacrifices. Things that we uh, enjoy that motivate us, that stop us from doing what God wants us to do. We need to stop those things and start praying and talking to God. But here we are in Acts chapter number 13. Uh, we are uh, in this place and we're going to... I'm going to read down through this. I'm not going to read all of it. Uh, we are going to touch on most of it uh, here tonight, but I'm going to try to uh, give you a, kind of a, a brief synopsis of all that's going on uh, in this passage. We're really going to focus on verse 14 uh, down through the end of the chapter, but we're going to start here in verse 14 tonight. It says this, But when they departed from Perga, that they came to Antioch of Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and beckoned with his hand and said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of his people, of his, uh, the God of this people of Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people. When they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with, uh, and with an high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. 
And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of, uh, of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until the Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they uh, desired a king. And God gave them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. So here's some history lesson that Paul's given them. In the synagogue, uh, this is part of their first missionary journey. They're coming on, and in verse number 14, it said that, but when they departed from Perga, actually jump up to verse 13. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga of Pamphylia, and John departed from them returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Berger, they came to Antioch in Pisidia. Now that word Antioch is a very familiar word, right? You heard about that when uh, Barnabas and uh, went looking for Saul. Remember he got sent to Antioch? That's a different Antioch. This is the Antioch of Pisidia. It's another Antioch in a different city because they're just now coming back, uh, coming to this area and this journey uh, that they're in. But I want you to understand as they're going through this journey, there was some things that Paul had to tell the people of God. He was trying to let God's people know something. He was giving a message to them. And we're going to talk about uh, the title of the message tonight is Paul's message to the church in Antioch of Pisidia. Paul's message uh, to these these folks. And so we're going to talk about his message tonight and see some of the things, the pattern of what's going on through this passage of Scripture and try to uh, be a, a help to you tonight a little bit of what we're supposed to be doing uh, I believe we, we ought to follow these same patterns. First off, as we're uh, going down through all of this, there's a transfer of power that takes place, as you would say. Barnabas had been kind of the forefront. He had kind of been the leader at the time when he went to get Paul or Saul at the time. And he he was basically, he was that encourager, if you remember. He, he went and he, he was the one that convinced everybody that Saul had changed. He was the one that actually spoke highly of Saul and said, hey, I saw him uh, argue with the Grecians over the Lord. And uh, he, he did all that. And so Barnabas was kind of that one that has been helping steer Saul in this direction. But now in this journey, here they go. And you don't really even read about Barnabas in any of this till the latter part of this chapter. Barnabas kind of has taken his hands off of it and letting Saul, now Paul, take the forefront and go forward. You know, I think oftentimes in our life we have a problem of letting go and letting other people do some things uh, that we used to do. Uh, There's times that we get so greedy in what we're doing about things, we want the recognition for it all, but it's not about recognition. The thing I noticed about Barnabas, it wasn't about him. Barnabas realized that. Uh, He went and got Saul. He understood that Saul was good to help him uh, in all of these things. But Barnabas wasn't one that wanted all of the accolades. He wasn't one that always wanted the the spotlight. Barnabas was one that would help other folks uh, in what they needed to do and be that encouragement. And as they began to do things for God, he would kind of step back and just let them go for God and do what they needed to do. What a lesson that we can learn from all of that. In verse 14, it talks about John, how he uh, leaves and goes back to Jerusalem. And later on, you find out the Apostle Paul wasn't very fond of this. Uh, In fact, John that we're talking about is John Mark. And when Barnabas talks about John Mark being part of uh, what they're doing later later on, they get into a, a conflict about John Mark. Uh, Paul thinks that here John Mark is a coward, that he's running away. 
Uh, he's that turncoat that uh, Paul thinks about. And now after that, later on and towards the end of Paul's ministry, he says that he was needful for him and that it was good for him to have him. But in this time, Paul was pretty upset with him, saying, hey, we got work to do, and here you're leaving and going back to Jerusalem. Uh, he had a problem with John Mark exiting and leaving, but uh, in verse 14, he begins to talk to these folks, and it's a dangerous thing. What happened usually when they would go to the synagogue, you would have them read the law. And after they would read the law, they would begin to discuss things, and then someone would get up and speak to all the people. They were there for quite some time. They spent some time in the reading of the law, and then he said this. Here they opened it up, and they said, If any of you have an exhortation, a word of exhortation for the people, say on. Now that's something dangerous to say to the Apostle Paul. Okay, that's like saying sick them to a bulldog, right? When, uh, when you have a preacher and you say, hey, anybody got a word for the Lord, you know what's going to happen. Uh, I've been to pastor's fellowships before and they just open it up to the floor and say, uh, anybody want to preach? Anybody? And you have like 10 guys stand up and say, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, that's just how Paul was, man. Paul had a message that he wanted to get across. But I want you to see first, Paul had some helpers. Just as we were going through here, and Barnabas went and got Saul to help him uh, there. And when they first began going through, I want you to see this evangelistic team. Look at verse 13. It says, now when Paul and his company. You see what it said? He had folks with him uh, going through the battle with him. That's why it's so important, you understand, for all of us to be in church together. It's important for us to serve together. You know what? We need to have this evangelistic team that goes out with a, a, a message that they want to get across. And what is that? We're going to see about his message here in just a minute. But you have this evangelistic team, these group of people that were working together for a common cause to do what God wanted them to do. And that's how we ought to be as a church, is we ought to be this evangelistic team, not anybody saying, well, I'm more important than you are, or my role is more important than you, and just because somebody works in the nursery doesn't mean they're any less than somebody who teaches an adult Sunday school class. We all are working together as an evangelistic team for a common cause. And that's what we need to understand. There's not any of us that are more... Uh, uh, just because somebody might have more of an education doesn't mean that they're better qualified to serve God. All God needs is somebody that says, Lord, here am I, and they're willing to learn. They're willing to follow Him. But it said that there, His company, as they were loose from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John departed from them and returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And so here they are, they're all together doing the same thing. Now they're in the synagogue and they're sitting there and they're listening to the reading of the law. They're listening to this reading. Now the Jews, we understand, have an issue and Paul's going to address that issue uh, later on in the chapter where Paul basically just pretty much rips up their uh, religion later on and talks about uh, that they are focused more on the law than they are, were on God. and so. Uh, but here they are, they're listening to the reading of the law, and then they say to him, anybody have a word for the Lord? And then Paul stands up, and Paul begins to speak. This evangelistic team had an evangelistic message, and Paul was the spokesman of the bunch. And now Paul stands up, and he begins to talk about some things, and I want you to look down. Uh, it says in verse number 20, it says, And after that he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterwards they desired a king, and God 
gave them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up them David to be their king, to whom also he gave them testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. And we're going to get into verse 23 here in just a second, but Saul, now Paul is basically now just giving them a history lesson. The Jews knew a lot of this. They just sat there, listened to the law. They knew a lot, but there were some Gentiles as well now that have been uh, part of the church, and uh, they've uh, understood. Remember when Peter came to Cornelius, and they talked about how all of them were now brothers in Christ. If they've been saved, they ought to be able to be baptized and part of the church as well. And he's given a history lesson of what God did for the nation of Israel and how God helped them and brought them out through all this stuff. And he's now going through how he, uh, instead of, God being their king, he's reminding them that Israel desired a king just like everybody else. Israel wanted to be like the world. He's standing up and he's telling them, listen, the the church or the, the people of God wanted to have somebody of the world rule them rather than have God who was designed to be their ruler. They wanted a king just like everybody else. So he gave them Saul. And after Saul was removed, he, uh, I don't know about... Uh, I just know usually preachers take the long way, the scenic route to the, uh, where they're trying to get. But Paul was one that he, uh, he told him, he said, listen, uh, after Saul, and then there came David to be king. And out of David's lineage, was a, he was the son of Jesse and all this stuff. In verse 23, this is what he says. And of this man's seed hath God, according to him, promised, raised unto Israel a Savior Jesus. So Paul's evangelistic message, he goes through this historical background, but he gives an introduction of Jesus. He introduces what his message is all about. He gives this history lesson, and now he comes to this introduction, and he says, here's what the important part of the whole message is all about. All of this was brought through for one purpose, and one purpose only is that Jesus came into the world. That's what he's for. He came and he began to introduce Jesus. He said, let me tell you about what we ought to be talking about. You guys are talking about all the law and that's great. But the law was not there for you to realize how wonderful and spiritual you are. The law is there to show you that you needed Jesus to come for you. And that's what he began to do. He began to introduce Jesus. He showed that promise of David. Uh, he, he talked about how he gave that promise that through that lineage uh, there would come. And we just went through Christmas. And if you remember that taxing uh, time came and it said because he was the house and lineage of David. So Jesus was the fulfillment of all of this stuff that they were talking about. And he was introducing it. And he talked about that promise. And then he began to talk about the preaching of John. And he was going through all that. How John came in verse 23 and 24, you read about uh, some different things uh, that, that took place in all these passages and all this stuff. And he, he goes through all of this stuff and he talks about John and how John began to preach. So he gives this introduction to Jesus. He gives all of this stuff about what's happening. But not only does he talk about all of that, he talks about now, look at verse 23 and 24. It says, and immediately, I'm sorry, verse 13, in, uh, or chapter 13, verse 23 and 24, it says, This man's seed hath God, according to his promise, uh, raised unto Israel a Savior. When John had first preached before the commandment, uh, before commanding the baptize of repentance to all people of Israel. 
So he's going through and he talks about the introduction of Jesus. He goes through all of that, but he's talking about, he's identifying who he is. He's saying, listen, this is the one that came to redeem everybody. All of this stuff he's talking about through all this, but now he's identifying who Jesus really is. In verse 33, it said, God hath fulfilled the same unto their children, and he hath raised up Jesus again, and also it is written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. He talks about this is the son of God. This is the holy one. Not only is he introducing him, but he's identifying what the importance of Jesus was. Well, this wasn't just some baby. This wasn't just some person like everybody else. This was the Son of God. This was the Holy One of Israel. This was God in the flesh. And he begins to talk about that. In Psalm 2 and verse 7, he he, he references that. And then uh, parts of the phrases that are going on in here have to deal with uh, Isaiah 55 and verse 5. And then also Psalm 16 and verse 10. There's some references to those verses and all these things. So now he begins to identify some things about him. Verse uh, 33, if you read that uh, verse of Scripture again. In verse 33, uh, it says... Uh, We'll read it one more time, that God hath fulfilled the same unto us children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And then in verse 35 it says, Wherefore, he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. He called him the holy one, he called him the son of God, and in Psalm 2 and verse 7 is the same as uh, verse 33 of this passage of Scripture. And in Psalm 16 and verse 19, that's the other psalm that he's talking about, that talks about the Holy One. He's identifying about who this message is all about. There was this evangelistic team that now had an evangelistic message. And this evangelistic message was evangelistic by nature because it referenced someone who could change everybody's life. And that was Jesus. His message was Jesus. And everything you read about the Apostle Paul as he goes through and he begins on these missionary journeys and even from the time that he got saved, he began to preach Jesus. He began to talk about Jesus. Paul did not, he he had the education to dispute with people. He was a very wise, intellectual man. But Paul kept his message simple. His message was about Jesus. And I understand there's times that we expound through the Word of God and sometimes we'll go through and we try to sound very uh, educated and I do believe that we ought to take some time to study the Word of God and we ought not to um, do injustice to God's Word and just open it up and try to just wing it as we get up to talk about Him. But I do believe that even though Paul was educated, even though Paul walked with Him, Paul understood what it was that was going to change. It wasn't his education that was going to change people. It wasn't all the knowledge that Paul had that was going to change people. It was Jesus that was going to change people because that's what changed him. And he understood what the message was all about. He understood that he had to get a hold of Jesus. He understood that Jesus was the one that could change him. And when we get into verse 36, I, I like what happens here starting in verse 36. Remember I talked to you about uh, how Paul begins to rip up their religion. Starts telling them how uh, their works that they're doing with the synagogue and all that stuff. Look what he says starting in verse 36. 
through verse 39. It said, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and had laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he, when God raised again, uh, saw no corruption. He said, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by what? The law of Moses. What did they just come into the synagogue and hear them read at the very beginning? The law. What he's telling them is, listen, you guys always focus on reading of the law. Every time I come into this synagogue, every time that we sit down in here, somebody opens up that book and begins to read the law and explain to everybody that you need to abide by the law if you're going to go to heaven. You need to do all this stuff. He said, no, it's by the man Jesus that you're justified and not by the law of Moses. He begins to tell them, listen, it's basically, he, he repeats what, what is said in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that it's for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, I know those words aren't in there, but you can see them. And what he's saying through all this is, listen, it's not the law that saves you. It's the law that identifies you're a sinner. It's the law that exposes the sin inside of you. It's the law that you read about, that you look to, that you long to, to say, if I'll just follow this law, then I'll go to heaven. He's saying, no, you need to follow the one that fulfilled the law. You need to follow the one that made that law complete. You need to follow the one that was the only one that was able to fulfill that law because of his perfection, because he was God in the flesh. And he rips up their religion and goes through all this. He talks about, uh, he identifies who Jesus is. He talks about that. He, uh, he introduces Christ. He identifies who he is. He now rips up their religion. And then he talks about, verse 38 and 39, the importance of Jesus. He talks about the importance of Jesus. And when he goes through all that, he talks about how important it is for you guys to understand that it's only by him are you justified and not by the law of Moses. And any time that there's a message that's preached, there's two different responses. There's acceptance or there's antagonistic responses. People that want to criticize what's being said. And any time that you focus in and you begin to preach the word of God and preach what God lays on your heart, and it pierces the hearts of some people, they're either going to respond one of two ways. They're going to respond in an accepting type way of the message, or they're going to respond with an antagonistic type spirit. They're going to respond in this way that uh, gets defensive, that begins to get upset. With what happens. You ever heard anybody say, well, I just can't believe that preacher would preach about that. I just can't believe that preacher would talk about those kind of things. I can't believe that preacher would mention. Then you hear some people say about the very same message, man, that was good. What a blessing. What, what a help I got in that. You know why? Because the message, even though the message was the same, people respond to it differently. Because people's hearts are in different spiritual conditions. There's some people that are Trusting more in themselves. They have that, it's all about me and what's in it for me. And am I doing right? Am I getting the spotlight? And there's other people realizing that they're nothing without God. They're nothing without God. And as we continue to read, I want you to see what happens. Starting in verse 40. It says, Beware therefore, 
lest that come upon you which is spoken in of the prophets, or of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wander and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which are spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the, uh, of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. And the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. But they shook off the dust off their feet against them. And came unto Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Listen, these people, there was quite differences in their responses to the message. He introduced Jesus to them. He talked about, identified who Jesus was. He wasn't just another man. He was the Holy One, the Son of God. That's who I'm talking about. Then he talked about the importance of Jesus, that Jesus came to fulfill that law, that one that you guys are reading about, that one that all you Pharisees are standing up there talking about how spiritual you are, but you're not even trusting in the one who came to fulfill that law. You're trusting more in the law than you are in that. And he rips them all up, and then he begins to talk to them. And man, the Gentiles, they're eating all this up. And the Jews are saying, oh, we don't want to hear it. And they kind of walk out. And the Gentiles say, will you preach that to us again on the Sabbath? We want to hear it. They accepted it. They were saying, we want to hear that message again. Please repeat it. Tell us all about it again. They were excited about it. But those Jews who sat there and heard him come, now they come back again the next Sabbath. And almost the whole city, it says, comes back. Could you imagine? Preacher get up and preach, man, and the whole city come out to hear him preach. What a blessing that would be. We can't even get a whole church to come back out on Sunday nights and things like that. But the, the whole city turns up. And the Jews get upset. You would think they'd be excited. Man, look at all the people that want to hear about Jesus. That message that Paul was talking about. Man, look at all the people that, that came out just to hear the word of the Lord. How exciting that is. No, they were filled with envy. They were mad. Why can't we can't get this many people to come? We can't get this many people to come. You know what, church? It's very important for us to understand. We can't compare ourselves with the church down the street. We can't compare ourselves with other people who say, well, they have more people than we do. Praise God for them. 
If they're preaching the word, they, you ought to be excited for them, man, that they got people coming. They were filled with envy. They were mad. And they began to start saying he was blaspheming. They began to talk about him and begin to say mean things about him. They began to persecute him and raise persecutions against him. And they said, get out of here. It said they expelled them out of their coast. They basically ran them out and said, get out of here. We don't want to hear what you got to say. I mean, here they weren't standing up and, and just preaching some false doctrine. They were preaching Jesus. And people were believing and they were getting saved. And uh, the, the Holy Ghost was uh, filling them. And they were excited about what was happening. And these Gentiles were just soaking this in. And then Paul even digs it a little deeper into the Jews. He says, you know why God sent me to the Gentiles? Because you all won't believe. The ones that he saved, you know the history lesson I just gave you a little while ago? The ones that he, he brought through this whole lineage? That he helped them through all this stuff? That the one that he spared out of the wilderness? The one that came across on dry All that, you know, all that stuff that happened that you read about in your law? All those kind of things? He begins to dig it in. He said, but you won't follow him. So he sent me to the Gentiles. Because guess what? They want him to be their savior. And he was trying to prove a point that, listen, God wanted all of them to be saved. God wanted all of them to be saved. And you know what happens sometimes when we begin to preach the word and people don't respond to it? Brother Ron, just to be honest, sometimes in the flesh, it gets a little discouraging. People don't respond in the right way, and man, it just gets ups upsetting sometimes. And you wonder, man, why weren't they going to listen? Why aren't they listening? But listen, I, what, what God was showing me through all this is they weren't rejecting Paul. They were rejecting the one he was preaching about. And as I open this book and I begin to preach this book and I stand behind this pulpit, the more I preach this book, there's going to be some people that receive it and there's going to be some people that reject it. And if I fret about those that reject it, I'm going to miss out on those that have accepted it. And Paul understood that there was those that did want to hear what he had to say and they ran him out of the coast. And if he was like most preachers, they'd have been like, I'm never serving God again. I'm not going to do this. Somebody rejected the message that I got. I can't go soul winning preacher because somebody slammed the door in my face and I got rejection. They weren't rejecting you. They were rejecting the Lord. We're just the messenger. And that's what Paul and his team were. They were just the messenger. But this message that he was preaching to them was about Jesus. And man, the Gentiles received it. And they were excited about it. But the verse that I like in all of this, I mean, I love it all. But I was looking at verse 51. It said, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium. You know what they said? Oh, all that rejection, they're running us out. Oh, we're just going to wipe that dust off of us. And we're just going to keep on going for God. You know what? We, they may not have received it. But there's some people over here that might. And they just wiped the dust off of them. And kept on going for God. And look what it says after that. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. You know why they were filled with the Holy Ghost and why they could just go on and wipe the dust off of them? Because they realized it wasn't about them. They were preaching Jesus. And people have the option of receiving or rejecting. 
And God has that same message for us tonight. Listen, it's a message that needs to be preached. What is it, preacher? It's Jesus. It's what people need. You know what Martinsburg, West Virginia needs? It needs Jesus. You know it doesn't need Dan Caldwell. It needs Jesus. It doesn't need you. It needs Jesus. And God allows us to be a mouthpiece. Listen, we're never going to change the message. Why? Because the message can't be changed. It's God's word. You say, what do you mean the message can't be changed? I'm talking about the true message. There's one truth, one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and life. Oh, there's people that try to change the message, but you can't change the true message. It's there, and we're never going to change that here. But you know what? There's methods that you can change. You can think outside the box sometimes. How can I reach this person for God? But the message remains the same. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And all throughout Paul's uh, missionary journeys that you read about, he had the same common message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. And you know what I wish? I mean, today we have so much technology. You, you can watch sermons on YouTube. You can listen to them on sermon audio and, man, play them over and over and over again. I wish we would have had sermon audio in those days. I wish I could go back and click. I want to hear the Apostle Paul preach to the church of Antioch and Pisidia. And I want to hear him in the synagogue talking about those things. And I want to hear what Paul had to say to them. But God gave it to us in his word. But I want to hear how he said it. I wish I could go back and do that. But you know what? We can't. But the message was simple. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What message are you speaking of? Not just with your words, but with your actions. What message do you speak of? Is it Jesus? Or do people notice you? See, when people come to you and they say, what's different about you? Well, you know, I kind of figured things out. Because I've arrived. You know, I've got all these doctorate degrees and all this master's degree. And I, can, uh, I won in all my class on uh, being the best orator. Speech class was nothing for me. That's not, that's not what it's about. We're nothing without God. You know what we are? Sinners. When we got saved, we're sinners saved by grace. And God allows us the opportunity to serve Him. But our message ought to remain the same. It's Jesus. No matter where you cut the Bible, it bleeds with the blood of Jesus. Brother Ron and I were just talking about that last uh, the, tonight before service and about Jephthah, how we preached about that on Sunday night in the book of Judges, and how he made a vow unto God and even put his daughter on the altar to sacrifice for God. Thought about, well, man, why did all this take place? I want you to understand that Jephthah's daughter was a sacrifice for the people. He made that vow because of all that God had done for those people. She was that sacrifice because of the vow that he made. See, God made a sacrifice for you and I, didn't he? He sacrificed his only begotten son, Jesus. See, no matter where you cut the Bible, no matter what takes place, it's all pointing to one thing. It's all pointing through Jesus to get you to God. Well, wait a second. I thought you said it all pointed to Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Who is Jesus? He's God. Just because he's God in the flesh, he's called the son of God. Understand, we have a wrong view of who God is. The Trinity, you understand it's not like a... a, a a tier rank structure 
it's not just, well, God the Father's here and Jesus is kind of not as powerful as God, but he's kind of right here and then the Holy Ghost is on the bottom. No, they are co-equal, co-existent. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are all three in one. They're the same person, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one, the Bible says. God took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. You know what Paul's message was all about? He told him, listen, that law that you guys follow, that just exposes who you really are and helps you to understand that the one who he promised, who came through the seed of David, that man Jesus, is the one that can redeem you all from your sins. What a powerful message. And the Gentiles received it. But some mocked. Some criticized. Some got angry. Because anytime our sin is brought forth, we're going to do one of two things. We're either going to accept it, or we're going to be antagonistic about it. We're going to begin to resist it. Let me encourage you. Be as the Gentiles. Just receive the message with joy. Be excited that God still speaks to old sinners like us. That God still finds, it, finds time in all that God has to do for little old me. And little old you. That he loves you so much that he knows the hairs on your head. Some of us he doesn't have to know as much as others. But the hairs of our head, he knows them. The sands on the seashore, he knows how many there are. And that God still cares about us. Listen, what message are we preaching? Are you preaching Jesus? That was the message to that church at Antioch. That's what he was trying to say. As listen, in Antioch, as he went in the synagogue, and he began to preach. He didn't get up there and preach his opinion. He didn't get up there and talk about his anger towards John Mark. You know what he did? He preached Jesus. See, it's not my job as a pastor to stand up here and preach my opinions. It's not my job to preach about my frustrations. It's my job to preach Jesus. Because he's the one that will change. Listen, just trust him tonight. If you're here and you're not saved, trust Jesus as your Savior. If you are saved, trust him enough to follow him. Follow him. Shake the dust off of discouragement and just keep on going. And have joy and be filled with joy in the Holy Ghost. See, they could be full of joy because they were full of the Holy Ghost. Because that's an attribute of the Holy Ghost. Just shake the dust off and keep on going. Sometimes things happen in our church that we don't understand. Sometimes circumstances arise that we don't know. Shake the dust off of it and just keep on going for God. Keep pressing on. Just go forward for him and preach Jesus.